The 177th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it! The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys this evening as we're recapping Carolina's 75-59 win over Georgia Tech yesterday afternoon in the Smith Center as Carolina finally snapped their four-game losing streak. And, buddy, uh, you know, I I think we were we were semi-confident that Carolina would be able to to go, you know, go into the game finally back at home for the first time since the Sunday before Thanksgiving and and really start to put it all together. But Given the way the season has started, there was still reasons to be a, a little concerned that maybe this wouldn't be the game that Carolina put it all together. Michael Norwood told me that if if they didn't play very well on Saturday, he would not be all that surprised given it was exam weeks or it was it was, it was exams week in Chapel Hill. And Carolina really was on, only in the gym Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. But um, the, the last... The last three minutes and eight seconds of the first half, and really the majority of the second half, we finally saw this team really start to look the part of what we thought they what we thought they could be against Power Five competition because they played really well against James Madison, and the Dukes are still a really good quality mid major opponent. But entering this game, Carolina was over against Power Five teams and. On Saturday, they they finally looked really good against a Power 5 team and in the process snapped a four-game losing streak and earned their first ACC win on the season. Well, I told you this when we were leaving the Smith Center. I I told you I'm just glad I don't have to reference that James Madison game as the only good game, that uh, a complete game that the team played. Look, I don't think it was the greatest performance that you're ever going to see from Carolina. Um, much like that performance that I I was talking about earlier in the year against James Madison. But I do think that it was a step in the right direction for this team. And now you've got to win over a power conference opponent, as you were saying. And that's big because coming into the day, you did not have one over a power conference opponent. But I, the good news is, is that I think what you saw yesterday was that one, this team has the talent, the capabilities to be be able to. I mean, there were there were times yesterday where you were watching that team and you said to yourself, this is kind of what I was expecting to see from this team in the preseason. I, I thought Armando Baycott looked really good yesterday, um, especially with how limited he was. There was a scary moment where he gets fouled on a dunk and goes down and I was apparently grabbing his shoulder and, you know, I thought he, he fought through it and looked really good. And then RJ Davis, I thought RJ Davis was fantastic for Carolina. That, that was probably the best that we've seen him play since the, the tournament game against Baylor. So I, I think 
you were looking for those incremental steps. It wasn't going to be perfect because there are some legitimate flaws with this team. But I think the other thing that it showed was this team really, really missed playing at home. They went three weeks without playing a game in the Smith Center. You went from Port from Portland to Indiana and then to Blacksburg. And it was there wasn't really a ton of time. Um in between for Carolina to really work on things. And even this week, as you mentioned, there wasn't really a lot of time, but I think the, you know, being back at home, having a week off to sort of get the mind right. It, it, it paid massive dividends for this team. And hopefully they're able to sort of build off of this performance. I mean, I think they can, they definitely have the schedule moving forward that can help them get that confidence back. But, yeah, there's no doubt that when you look at this season and you go back towards the end of the year, um, it'll probably this will probably be one of those games if this team is in contention for an ACC regular season title. If they're in contention to be on, you know, some people already think the one line is out of the conversation. I don't I don't really know. Um, I, I think four straight losses in there because you'd imagine there will be some conference losses. It, they're going to have to really, I mean, put together an amazing run throughout the rest of the ACC to ensure that. But I think if if you're if you're looking for a team that you know, looking at a team that has established itself as we get ready to head into March, this will be a game that you will look back on, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, like when it comes to Carolina looking so different away from home as opposed to the road. Shouldn't really shock us. That was this team last year. This was this team and Roy Williams's last year during the pandemic. And so I haven't been as caught off guard by that. But yeah, they they did seem to get back in front of their home crowd yesterday, have some have some fans there to cheer them up and lift them up. And and, and that really played a really big part in the win. Um, Carolina was led by double doubles from RJ Davis, 22 points and 10 rebounds and Armando Baycott, 21 points and 13 rebounds. And the thing to note about Armando Baycott's double double is that was his 61st double double of his career, uh, tying the program record set by Billy Cunningham, also known as the kangaroo kid, who was an integral part of Dean Smith laying the foundation for what we now know is the best program in all the college basketball. And, and, and also in the process, Armando Baycott is 116 rebounds uh, away from tying the, the record set by Tyler Hansborough. Um, and, and so like, you can't really put it out of the question, given the way that Armando rebounds the ball, he could set that record by the end of the month you know, sometime in January at the absolute latest. And, you know, I, I was talking about this uh, with somebody today, and it, it, it's kind of it's kind of remarkable how Armando Baycott it, it is writing his name in the history books as a rebounder and is going to leave this program as its all-time leading rebounder. This was a guy that, you know, played really well at, at certain times in his freshman year, but – Let's not make no mistake about it. It was an up and down freshman year for a team that would, you know, finish the season well below 500. His second year, I mean, the front court was just loaded with with guys like himself, Dayron Sharp, Walker Kessler, and Garrison Brooks. So he never really got consistent minutes. So he's really done a lot of this work within the last year and a half and you know, part of the, you know, the main reason why he came back was to win a national championship, but he also said that he wanted to leave a legacy that will live on at Carolina forever. And when you're leaving the greatest college basketball program of all time as the program's all-time all leading rebounder um, with the program that has the likes of, you know, you've got Tyler Hansborough, you have Sean May. Sam Perkins, Billy Cunningham. When you have guys like that have came through this program, it is safe to say that Armando Baycott's going to leave a legacy here that will live on in Chapel Hill for many, many years to come. I mean, remember when we were sitting there in the preseason last year, one of the biggest things that we talked about was, hey, you know, are we going to finally see Armando Baycott 
break out. And then you, you have the season that he had last year where he was challenging the record for most double-doubles in a season. I mean, this this dude is – it's amazing, the growth that he has had. And to be honest with you, the other thing is, too, is remember that this injury – the injuries that he's fighting through now, not the first time that he's fought through them. Um, you know, he, he had it back in the 20 – what was it the 2020 season or it was 2019, wasn't it? where he gets the ankle injury before they're supposed to play. It was in the Ohio State game. It was before they were supposed to play Virginia. And they're basically like, look, no way he's playing. Um, and amazingly, he come to, he fights through the pain and plays in that game for Carolina. And I think that was really what started people's obsession with Armando Baycott and the player that he would become because I think a lot of Tar Heel fans really thought this dude could, could eventually be what he has become. We knew coming out of high school the talent was there. And it, it's just – it's great to see what he's evolved into. You know, it was, it was tough to see him struggle the way that he did early in the year. And hopefully this is what sort of turns everything back in the right direction for him. But I think you saw, just look at the last two games. That game against Virginia Tech, you saw what it meant to not have him on the floor. And you saw what probably you would expect after this season, which he he will have the option to come back next year, believe it or not, if he if he wants to because of the COVID year. But you're, you, this is what Carolina is going to have to find a way to replace at some point. Um, and you, you saw how impactful he was to this game yesterday on Saturday. I, I thought he, he was a huge part of why Carolina w- was able to gain some early momentum and really allow themselves to get comfortable. I mean, look, give credit to Georgia Tech. They were, I mean, they hit a bunch, they, they hit a lot of threes early in the game to keep themselves in it. But the way that he got this team going rebounding wise was absolutely massive because if they would have come out and struggled to rebound the basketball earlier or early in the game, I don't really know what this game ultimately ends up looking like. And I mentioned coming in, it was a team for Georgia tech that kind of spread their rebounding around their guards really, you know, rebounded the ball well. And everybody on the team had done a great job of keeping them inside of the top 100 in terms of rebounds per game. In this game, Carolina did exactly what they have been doing to other teams. You saw Armando have a big day, but you saw other guys step up uh, around him and, and it made a huge difference. But yeah, no doubt about it that Armando Baycott is a special, special player for Carolina. And like we said, coming into the year, it, there is going to be a conversation after the year. It'll probably be a podcast edition on here of where he ranks amongst all-time Carolina big men. Yeah, you mentioned Georgia Tech well, came out and they started the game hot from behind the three-point line. And that was really the biggest reason why they were in the game um, deep into that first half uh, because Carolina had controlled the game. Um but the scoreboard, you know, showed a 28 to 26 margin at the under four timeout where Carolina would, would end the, the first half on an 11 nothing run to, to, to build a 39 to 26 lead at halftime. And, you know, the, the, the biggest thing, and you hear coaches talk about this, about the middle eight, which are the, you know, the, the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. Um, and, and for Carolina, you know, my thoughts at halftime were how do they come out of the tunnel and attack the first 20 minutes? It was nine, nine. And so while they didn't necessarily extend the lead, the lead also never did, uh, get cut into eventually, um, Georgia tech would cut it to as little as nine. They had a chance to cut it to seven, but a miss layup, um, and a rebound for Carolina going the other way would, would allow Carolina to, to to get back and build the lead and play in double digits. And from there, they would go on and control the game 
the rest of the way. Let's take a look at the box score for Carolina. Um, they shot 47% from the field. They were 27 of 57. Meanwhile, they held Georgia Tech to just 41%. They were 22 of 54. Carolina's perimeter show uh, woes continued. They were just 3 of 13 from deep. That was just 23%. Uh, but meanwhile, Georgia Tech was just 9 of 26. So Carolina gave up 9, but they held them to just 35% shooting from behind the arc. Carolina continued to get to the foul line. They were 18 of 24 for 75%. Georgia Tech, meanwhile, was just 6 of 8, which is also 75%. Ironically enough, both teams with 11 turnovers and both teams with 13 points off those turnovers, but the rebounding was really the, the biggest difference in this game. Carolina won the rebounding margin 43 to 22, 31 to 21 on the defensive the glass, and then 12 to 1 on the offensive glass. Carolina got seven second chance points. Georgia Tech failed to convert on their only offensive rebound. Georgia Tech uh, did outscore them off the bench 16 to 10, but points in the paint were Carolina 36 22. Fast break points were Carolina 17 to 3. Blocks were 5 to 1 Georgia Tech. Steals were 8 to 5 Georgia Tech. Um, but assist, Carolina assisted on 15 of their 27 made baskets. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech with 10 assists on their 22 made baskets. And now let's transition to the quote of the game, which came from Carolina basketball uh, head coach Hubert Davis, who, you know, we were there in, um, in, in, in the arena, and it was very evident to see that he was very animated on the sideline. And this has been a guy that we, we know is going to be extremely, extremely uh, positive, you know, no matter if, if things are going well, no matter if things aren't going so well. But um, in, in this game, he, he was very animated because he was really happy with his team. He really liked what he saw from his team. And he went as far to say that this was the first time all season long he felt like he was watching Carolina basketball. That last three minutes of the first half, I just, it's the first time that I felt like it looked like Carolina basketball. I just, the way we were defending, the way that we were running, and then that play where RJ had a wide open three, and we talked about making the extra pass and hit Pete in the corner. I came in at halftime. That's the first thing that I said to the coaching staff. It's the first time I looked at it and I go, man, this looks like Carolina basketball. It was great. And I, I think we know that when, when Carolina plays their brand, they're a really tough team to beat. You know, at, at his introductory press conference, he said that, you know, the philosophy of this program has been tried, it's been tested, and it's been proven successful. So what he was going to do was keep a lot of the same hallmarks uh, that have led to such basketball excellence for 60-some-odd years. But, you know, do some things with, with with a twist on them that, you know, would be – you could tell that this program was was his. And, you know, it took a long time for this team last year to really play Carolina basketball game in, game out. But once they started to, well, this, this team went on a run that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. And, um, you know, it, it, it led to there being so much hype and, 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 and expectation for this season. And – Kind of like last year, this team came out of the gate, not quite playing the brand of basketball that we're used to seeing them play. They got back to that yesterday, and that's a big reason why they were able to they were able to overwhelm a, 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 a an ACC opponent at home. Let's move on now to the stat of the game. Um, and uh, rebounding, you would probably say would be, the 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 one that would stand out the most, and that there's no question that it would it, it would be rebounding, but I went with the assist because Carolina assisted on 15 of their 27 made baskets um, for a 55.6 percent assist rate, its highest rate of the year, and it was deemed so well that the basketball program actually put out a graphic on the social medias talking about it. Meanwhile, Georgia Tech just 10 assists on their 22 made baskets. And 
you know, look, Carolina's half-court offense has been a mess. And a big reason why, more so than anything, has been shot selection. And shot selection at times, again, yesterday, was a problem. But the ball movement, especially in the, the latter parts of the first half and then deep into the second half as Georgia Tech threw a lot of different looks at Carolina, really just opened up this offense. And the hope and the prayer is, is that when Huber Davis shows his guys the film and, and they go back and review what they did so well on Saturday, he'll be able to tell them that if you move the ball, you get good sh- you, you you get good shots at the rim, and that means more often than not the shots are going to go in the rim, and, and then we're going to score a lot more points and we're going to win games a whole heck of a lot more often. Yeah, I, I mean – this is exactly what we've been waiting for from this group because I thought there were times yesterday you talked about the shot selection not being great I thought there were times yesterday where guys were passing up really good looks to drive the basket and put themselves in a spot where they had to move the ball again um but I I thought you just saw a team that was more active without the basketball too there were still moments where it was stagnant but I thought you saw a team that wanted to try to move around more, even early in the game. And then, as you mentioned, once they went zone, Carolina had no choice but to move the basketball. And who knows? I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I wonder if that is the best thing for this Carolina team was to have faced that zone yesterday. And maybe this wakes them up. Maybe people start thinking, hey, this is, you know, this is kind of, or maybe they start thinking rather that this is what, you know, this is what's been missing from our offense this year. We have to move the ball a little bit more. Um, I thought there were there were times yesterday, and even, you know, I thought you saw a couple of them in the second half uh, that he he wasn't able to knock down. But I thought they did a good job of giving Caleb Love the chance to knock down some outside shots. They gave him those catch-and-shoot looks that, like I've said, I think that they need more. To, they need to give him more of. And that's the thing that I think you're, you're, you're hoping translates over from this game. Yeah, the rebounding too, but just, I mean, to assist on 55% of your baskets after we've, we've had games this year where Carolina has had three assists the entire game is unbelievable like that it was just everybody was moving the ball well yesterday um I mean look there were some turnovers that left us scratching our head I mean RJ Davis had one that I still I still can't figure out what actually happened how how he turned it over um but I I think that this is this is what this team is capable of we knew that even even with Pete Nance not being Brady Manick he still has the capability to move the basketball or to be a guy that at least can help Carolina move the basketball better. So I think you, you we talked about bottling up what you did in that second in, in, in those last 10 minutes of the game against Virginia Tech. Well, I, I think you need to bottle up, at least on the offensive end, you need to bottle up what you did in this game in terms of ball movement and rebounding and really carry that over throughout the rest of the non-conference season and into the ACC season, because that was the best that we've seen it this year. Yeah. And that's going to be the challenge for this group. And they get back in action Tuesday against the Citadel. And then they, they go to MSG over the weekend where they'll see an Ohio state team before seeing a Big Ten team again two Wednesdays from now against when they see Michigan in the Jumpman Invitational. And so so now we're going to see how how they respond moving forward. If they respond like they're capable of, I think we could see this team string together a couple of wins and, and really start really living up to all those preseason uh, goals and expectations. Well, with that, guys, we are going to take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, we'll give some takeaways, and we have a couple discussion discussion topics we'll get into. Uh, Back after this on the Four Corners podcast, after this message from DraftKings. 
The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. So whether you're betting on just a straight-up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound or rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have, you can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking a great advantage of all these good offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Uh, same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. And, you know, we we, we spent some time on Armando Baycott at the beginning of the show. So now let's spend some time on the other guy who who posted a double-double yesterday. And that's my guy, R.J. Davis. Um, he put together arguably his best game of the season, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 8 of 13 from the field. Hubert Davis has said that he is the heart and soul of this team. You know, Caleb Love is probably this team's best all-around player when he's when he's going right. Armando Baycott is probably this team's most important player, um, just giving you what he does on both ends of the court. But this team's going to go as far as R.J. Davis takes them, and he took them very far last year. Um, and because he was the guy that initiated the offense for, for the majority of that stretch run in the second half of the season last year, and – you know, we we really lamented the struggles of Davis and Love this year, but I, I've 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 kind of countered that and said, look, guys, I feel like he's getting good shots. He's just simply not making them. And I thought yesterday he got some really good shots and he made a lot of them. He was eight of thirteen from the field, and that was with the stretch where he missed four shots in roughly two minutes. Four straight shots in roughly two minutes because he had three on one possession where the smallest guy on the court was battling for offensive rebounds and second chance opportunities. And then he a little bit later in a different sequence would miss a shot. But outside of that, he was efficient. He did have, you know, one or bad two turnovers in the open court, but he also did a really good job of just helping Carolina play open and play free and not have to play against the said defense and um, you, you know, whenever he's on, you, 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 Carolina just they they feel different. Not only do they look different, but like you know, there's just a different energy. We could feel it in the stands yesterday. There's a different confidence about this team because he embodies everything that there is about a guy who played point guard in in New Jersey. He's he's tough. He's gritty. He's gonna fight like you know he he's gonna fight his tail off. He's gonna do all the little things to give him a chance to be successful and his teammates be successful. And I'm really hoping yesterday for him was a springboard to this junior season starting to get going in the right way because he is the engine. He's the guy that I ultimately, if this team wants to get back to the final four, I, I do think as important as Love and, and, and Baycott are, this will be the guy we're saying, we need him playing at a high level come March if we want to reach all of our goals and dreams. Well, there's no doubt about it to me because I think what you saw yesterday was you saw a guy that when he is controlling what you do offensively, you're just in a, a better spot overall. Um, I thought he was able to push the pace 
for Carolina like they haven't been able to do so far this year. And look, credit due to Armando Baycott as well, but he had 10 rebounds himself on the glass. So he was grabbing rebounds and pushing the issue himself. He basically said, look, if nobody else is going to do it, then I'm going to do it myself. And this this team, you're right. They just they look different when he is playing at his best. I, I think, you know, when Armando's playing at his best, when Caleb's playing at his best, I mean, Carolina is a good team, but when RJ is playing at his best, that's when Carolina is at their best. And I thought you saw it, even you go back to the tournament game last year against Baylor before they had, you know, two guys exit with foul trouble. Uh, Brady, of course, just, just ejected from the game, not really foul trouble, but still. Um, you, you saw that that was – Carolina was probably playing one of their best games that we've seen in years from them against one of the best teams in the entire country. So I think that's the thing is you want to see this carry over – there is legitimate reason to question will it carry over because one of the things that we've asked from him is to see a little more consistency, and it hasn't been there quite yet. But we've been here before with Tar Heel point guards. And look, he's not a he's not labeled as a point guard. Carolina doesn't have an official point guard. They are combo guards that sort of switch off being the primary ball handler. But I think that if you want to be the team that we thought you could be in the preseason, you you need this to, to, to be what sort of changes that for him. And, and you need him to be a guy that becomes just a little bit more consistent. I'm with you. I think when you look at what the biggest issues have been for this team this year, I don't think he has been it's, – it's been him with the poor shot selection. I don't think it's been him, you know, not doing the things on the defensive end of the floor that we need him to do. I think he has done, he, he has fought hard so far this season. And he's done a lot of things right, but the shots just weren't falling. Yesterday, they did. And I think a big reason why was early in the game, I thought there was a mindset from him of get to the basket, get myself in rhythm, either knocking down those easy looks at the basket or drawing fouls. And I think once he was able to settle in and gets, you know, start, start getting this team rolling on the offensive end, that was when he started to extend his range from the basket. That's when we started to see him knock down some of those shots. And it, it made a huge difference for Carolina. He was the guy that handled the ball for a majority of the game in large part because there there were times where Caleb Love just simply could not be on the floor. He was not effective. I thought Hubert Davis did a great job of trusting uh, trusting Seth Trimble and going to him and relying on R.J. Davis to be that primary ball handler. And I thought that was the best that that was the best Carolina has looked on the offensive end, just in terms of. The overall feel of them on the offensive end was just different yesterday. And I mean, big, what? Go ahead. I was just gonna say, and a big reason why was was the ball movement. And, and you know, we mentioned it. It was the stat of the game: fifteen assists, twenty-seven made baskets. And the funny thing is, I'm right there with you. I thought Caleb Love's shot selection in the first half was very poor. Um, and that was why he saw uh, an, an extended time on the bench. He was 4-12 from the field, 1-6 from three. He also led the team, though, with five assists. R.J. Davis chipped in with three. Um, but Seth Trimble off the bench also had three. And I think the biggest, the biggest, you know, the, the, the most important stretch of the game was the the stretch team in the first half because Carolina really, you know, they, they built a lead that they would go on to never relinquish. Well, every basket in that 11-0 run that was made was assisted upon. So it was just a direct reflection of when you move the ball, you're going to score, and you're going to score a lot easier. And, you know, um, one of the things I was really concerned about was how would this team handle multiple defensive looks from Georgia Tech? 
We did not see the zone until the second half. We didn't see the matchup zone until the second half. And Carolina's first two trips down, the ball never went inside the three-point line. It was good ball movement, and they were getting you know decent to, to, to good looks at the rim, but they never put the ball inside. And then the next time down, they realized that, look, you can pass the ball inside the three-point line in 2022, and they did that. And then after that, you really didn't see Georgia Tech go back to it again. And I think I think this is where a lot of Tar Heel fans have been really frustrated with Pete Nance is because, like, basketball people told us, he's, he's Carolina's best player. He's, he's arguably Carolina's best passer. And we thought it was going to unlock and do so many different things for this offense, using him as not only as a screener, but using him in ball with, with the ball in his hands in screen action to then make reads and make plays off of that. And maybe that could still happen. It's still only December. And maybe this will be a lot like Brady Manic, where it takes it takes until January, maybe February for it all to click for Pete Nance. But Yesterday, it was guard-led. It was guard-driven. It was Seth Trimble making the one pass up the court that we haven't made all year long, and all of a sudden, you're getting a layup. And and it's those little things that that really count up when you're an offense that's struggling. And Carolina did those little things yesterday. And and that's a big reason why they got the shots that they got. And and now, you just got to hope that they build off of this. I mean, this team was... Dead last in power five in assist percentage. Um, and then that's saying something when you've got I've got a game on in front of me that include that that is featuring Seton Hall and Rutgers, and it's 40 to 38 in the second half. And those two teams have a higher assist percentage than the Carolina does right now in terms of their assists per made baskets. Like there are teams that aren't even scoring the way Carolina is scoring. But their 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 assist percentage is is better than Carolina's. Hopefully, this game really opens everything up for them. And the funny thing is, is that this time last year, guess what? Carolina was a was a team in December with questions. They played an ACC game against Georgia Tech. They would go on and beat them rather convincingly, and we all started to feel a little bit better about them. And uh, be interested to see if this parallels last season anyway with the opponent and the result. But you know, for Hubert Davis, he has to like the way that his team moved the ball and, and were able to get quality looks at the basket because it makes those film sessions a lot more easier um, whenever they're looking at their shot quality when the ball's being moved around like it was yesterday. Yeah, I mean that's there. There's no doubt about it that this is something that you just have to got to put on for the guys and say, look, when you move the ball the way that you did, when you get, you know, these, these looks that you got, it's going to lead to more success offensively because there's no doubt this team struggled as much as just about any team has in, in terms of half court offense. They, they were just, they didn't, they weren't doing the things that they needed to do without the basketball to get the looks. And then when, you know, even when they did, Shots weren't falling. And yesterday wasn't perfect in terms of, you know, the shots falling. They still just shot three for 13 from beyond the arc. But it was it was definitely a step in the right direction for this team. And it showed that, look, there, there, there are some really easy things that you can do to open this up. And, and look, part of this is you also have to – Remember that Georgia Tech is not the greatest team in the world. So it's it's not this is not something that you know is is guaranteed to carry over. Carolina did not just beat Virginia. Um, but what I think it does is again, the biggest thing for this team was they needed a win. And they got it yesterday, but you and and it these are the types of things, as you mentioned, last year, Georgia Tech, not a great basketball team. But Carolina gets that big win. Now, granted, that was on the road at the time. But still, I, I think it it sort of settled things down after they struggled following the issues that they had in their holiday tournament. 
that one sort of turned things back in the right direction and, you know, sort of showed this team, hey, there are some things that we have. There there are pieces that we have here. We are a good, a good basketball team. We just need to, you know, play the way that we played in that game a majority of the time moving forward, and we have a chance to be one of the better teams in the ACC because here's the thing, and even still, I, I think – we, we've seen it early on this year. The ACC is not great. There are a couple of teams at the top that are good. And then after that, I mean, there are a lot of teams that are average to below average. Um, and I think that's what Carolina has to look at, is that there are a lot of teams that you're going to face throughout conference season that are going to have similar flaws to the what Georgia Tech did yesterday. So you should be able to overwhelm them. It's all about the confidence level of this team. And I think this was a big boost to that confidence level for Carolina. And it's also a big boost because, as you said, Carolina's got a key stretch coming up here. Um, We talked about it on the last edition of the podcast. You know, you get through the Citadel. Well, then you've got Ohio State and Michigan. And it feels like you've got to win at least one of those games. I don't, I'm not, you had said you probably have to win both. I'm not quite there yet, but I think you have to win at least one of those games. And I'm going to tell you, if they didn't win this game, and if they didn't do the things that they did on the offensive end of the floor, especially with the ball movement, I, I don't, I don't know how confident I would be in that. This game showed that, look, this is a team that can play in the half court, that can score the basketball at a pretty decent rate and an efficient rate. You just had, you know, for, for Carolina, it's about not turning the basketball over. And I mean, against teams like Ohio state and Michigan, you, you have to be able to score the basketball if you want to win. Yeah. Nope. There's, there's no denying that. And, uh, and I feel like Carolina is going to be trending in that direction. And, you know, those look, I think every game is a, is a must win, and Carolina should win every game. But I, I've I've seen Ohio State, I've seen Michigan. I think on neutral floor, it's Carolina can and should uh, definitely beat both of them. Uh, the last real big takeaway from this game before we get into our two quick discussion topics for tonight was the rebounding because that was that was the best Carolina's looked on the glass, and I say that because they've they they're now. Um, they're now even where they've won as many rebounding battles as they've lost. They're now five and five in that category. But even in games where they've won the rebounding margin, they were still giving up eight, 10, 12 offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen yesterday. Uh, Georgia Tech with just one offensive rebound. And Look, some of that was, yeah, was it was it Josh Passener wanting his guys to get back in transition to make Carolina play against a set defense? Absolutely. But this has been an area of weakness for Carolina this year, and where it was, whether it was from a technique standpoint, not finding somebody and getting their hands on them, or if it was just an effort issue. You know, Michael Norwood talked about some of the scheming issues with the way Carolina plays leads him to be suspect to giving up offensive rebounds. Well, you saw a lot more small ball yesterday with just Armando Baycott or Pete Nance as the only big guy on the court. And Carolina was able to hold their own and more and more so on the glass. It helps when you have a guard like R.J. Davis get 10. Pete Nance added six, but Leaky Black had five. Caleb Love had three. Uh, Trimble off the bench with two. Bill Puff Johnson off the bench with two. And, and, and it was a gang rebounding effort. And I think that's that's going to be the biggest key for this team. Hubert Davis is going to play small. He wants to play small. That's his vision for this program. But with it, it comes that you know there comes a cost. And there's been too many times this year where Carolina went small and they were they weren't competitive on the boards. Well, yesterday they went small plenty of times, but because you had everybody so dialed in in that aspect of the game, Carolina was able to overwhelm an opponent and that's going to allow Hubert Davis to be a lot more 
willing to go to that small ball lineup. And that's where we're going to transition to next because there's there's two discussion topics um, I, I want to have following tonight's or, or, or following yesterday's win against Georgia Tech. We've referenced um, Hubert Davis benching, or I like to say benching, sitting Caleb Love for an extended period of time during yesterday's game. Um, Love would still play 31 minutes, but that was second fewest of any starter on the court. And the biggest reason why was because Seth Trimble led the guys off the bench with 15 minutes played. And it's written down on our show sheet as Seth Trimble takes minutes away from Caleb Love. That comes across as a more negative conversation. So I, I actually want to make it positive where let's talk about the emergence of Seth Trimble because the shot is still going to be a work in progress. Um, and we knew that coming in that most of his offense in high school came at the rim because no one could really guard him. He was just one of five yesterday, um, missed his only three point a shot, but he, he did make both his free throws. But he had three assists, two rebounds, no turnovers in 15 minutes. And he was on the floor for the 11-0 the run to end the first half. And I thought that was really key that at the point in time where the, the middle eight, which is so important in, in today's game, the Hubert Davis trust him enough to be on the court. We know what he does for Carolina defensively. He's, and I've said this, he's as good an on-ball defender I've seen as a freshman in the Power 5 level in quite some time. But he's starting to figure out just how to play on offense, when to go, when to not go. And I think that's going to do wonders because, you know, he had he had an assist to R.J. Davis up the court. It only frees up R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, and those guys. And I think, I think his potential emergence – could be a really big key to the three-guard lineup Hubert Davis desperately wants to play, and it could really be the key to Carolina's offense finding a, 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 a new gear this year that they didn't have last year because the roster is made up differently because you don't have that explosive stretch four like you had last year with Brady Manning. Well, the other thing that it does, I mean, you, you talked about, you know, what the pressure that it takes off of, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, well, it gives them another guy that can honestly be your primary ball handler and allow these guys to play off the ball. Um, I don't know if that's where R.J. Davis is his best. I think it's, you know, there there were times last year where it was, where with Caleb Love, it's very clear. When, when Caleb Love is off the ball, that's where he's at his best, at least early in games. Once he settles into a rhythm – then when he can take over games, like we saw at times in the tournament, you allow him to. But yeah, th this is huge because we've talked, the biggest thing, first of all, is we've talked about this team just needing depth overall on this roster. They 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 need it so badly because it, it was looking like this was going to be a team that was going to run very similar to a year ago. It was going to be five guys primarily, and Puff Johnson was going to be coming off the bench as the sixth guy. And that's how Carolina ran for the majority of last season. And look, it worked to get them to the final Monday night. But the thing that we talked about over and over again in the offseason was this team needs to establish more depth. And we thought they had it. And Seth Trimble was a big reason why. Yesterday, look – we, we wondered, would they be able to expand, the two freshmen be able to expand upon what they did in that game against Virginia Tech the prior Sunday? And I thought, you know, Tyler Nickel was only on the floor for a, a limited time in this one, so he really didn't get to show uh, whether or not he, he did build off of that. I thought with the flow of the game, though, I didn't have any issue with Hubert only playing him. Um, for five minutes, but I think with Seth Trimble, I mean, Seth Trimble showed you yesterday that 
he's there, there were times where he was just better for your offense. He was better for you on the defensive end of the floor. And there was no choice but to put him out there. And that's the point that you've kind of wanted to reach with these guys. And look, I thought, you know, just overall from the freshman, I mean, you look, I know he, I know he only played late in the game, two minutes from Jalen Washington. I thought Jalen Washington looked pretty good for a guy that's coming off a knee injury. So these guys are going to be a big part of what Carolina does moving forward, but especially Trimble. And if this team can rebound the way that they did yesterday, if they can stay in front of the basketball the way they did yesterday, which a big part of that is having Trimble on the floor, when you can get out and run, that's where this guy is going to thrive. And if you can get him and R.J. Davis out running, I mean, it's going to be tough for teams to slow that down because we saw it a few times yesterday and there wasn't really much that the other team could do besides just foul because those dudes, they want to push the basketball. They're aggressive. And for the most part, they were pretty smart with the basketball. It's that the, You're going to have moments where Tremble is going to turn the ball over as a freshman. But I think that you saw yesterday – this team did a much better job of taking care of the basketball after a, a couple of early turnovers that were really frustrating. Um, and and when they were out on the fast break, you saw they made smart passes to each other. And a big part of that was the freshman Seth Trimble stepping up and playing the way that he did. You mentioned Jalen Washington. Um Bad job on me as the podcast host writing this into the the script of the show. What an awesome moment. Um, It was very evident. He got one of the biggest ovations during the entire game when he checked into the game. And it was very evident when he got in that Hubert Davis was going to run offense for him. And then he turned around and made a really nice turnaround jump shot, which really just proves why Hubert Davis does believe that he's the best shooting big man he's ever seen during his time at Carolina. So really neat moment for him personally. The last thing I think we got to talk about really quickly is I, I think at this point it's, it's a, it's Carolina's got perimeter shooting woes. They're, they're making five and a half threes per game that ranks 328th in the country. They are attempting only 19 per game. That's 294th in the country. And they're shooting just 29% from three. That's 335th in the country. And, you know, for the attempts, you know, 19 doesn't seem like a lot for a Hubert Davis team, but that's because when this team has played smart on offense, they've played inside out and the results usually go their way. But just three of 13 again yesterday, um, and the biggest reason why I, I truly believe this is because Pete Nance isn't the stretch four that that are, that Brady Manick was, and it's it's allowing defenses to to clamp down on Davis and Love more so on the perimeter and then off the bench right now because Tyler Nickel hasn't found an offensive groove just yet, and that's smart of him that he doesn't come in and always hunt his shot. You don't have anybody coming off the bench that's going to light it up from behind the three-point line. I think this is going to feel kind of more like what you saw back in in 2019, 2020 for Carolina, where they could still be a really good offense. They were 10th rated in Ken Palm entering the game yesterday against Georgia Tech. They're still going to score you know, 75, 80 points per game, but they're not going to do it from the three-point line like they were at times last year. And I just think you know, for us, that's a shock to the system because we didn't see this team having the perimeter shooting struggles that they're having given how good Love and Davis were a year ago and that Pete Nance entered a 45% three-point shooter during his four years at Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's I, I just find it a little hard to be overly concerned just yet because I thought yesterday was really the first time that I watched them and I said they got really good looks consistently the entire night. Part of the reason their three-point shooting percentage is as low as it is is because 
a lot of the looks that they've been taking have just been, I, I mean, just they're, they're, you're, the percentage chances to make them, the, the analytics on these shots that they take, I mean, it, it, you're not taking good shots at all. Um, it's a lot of one-on-one step back. That was a lot of what you saw before this team came into yesterday's game. I thought yesterday you got some good looks, but here's the thing. You only attempted 13. And now I, I think it was smart that Carolina didn't take many more than they did because it felt like you were kind of getting anything that you wanted inside when you were in transition. Clearly, if there is you know, a path to the basket, you're not going to kick the ball out to, uh, you know, a, a guy in transition and just hope he can knock something down. No, they were smart with how they played offensively yesterday. So I I don't know. I, the thing that, the thing that is concerning me is there were some, there, there, there were chances yesterday to catch and shoot the basketball where I thought, we were a little too hesitant. I, I really thought that they, they they had some really good looks and they just passed them up. And it was, I mean, we're talking about, you know, Leaky Black ha- had a good look, which I mean, so far this season, I, I think I think he has proven that if he's got a good enough look, he, he can knock it down. He did it early in the year. But it seems like he's back to being the the leaky black that we've seen for the majority of his career, where he's a he's too hesitant to shoot the ball. The one possession he had it yesterday, he could have taken an, a a pretty open look from three, but decided to pull it down and drive it. He kicks it to somebody, they give it right back to him, and he ends up taking a a, a much tougher three point shot that doesn't go down. So. It, the biggest thing for me is confidence, but you need to get him. And to me, we we saw it in the title game last year. We saw it at other times throughout, you know, last season when he was in there after he returned from the injury. I mean, I just don't understand why there is just no belief at all in Puff Johnson. I get it. We've talked about it here on this podcast. That's not a guy you're running your offense through, not like his brother, but – if there is a, a good enough look, he needs to have the confidence to shoot it. This was a big issue for this team at times last year. You just had guards that were on fire for the majority of the season from beyond the arc. We we probably all knew in the back of our minds we were hoping it wouldn't be true, but we probably all knew that, look, there was going to be a point where Carolina – sort of return to the mean because they were just so good at knocking down tough shot after tough shot last year. But I, I think you, you just, you've got to get some, you, you've got to have some guys that can become confident from beyond the arc that, you know, I, I, they're just aren't there right now. You've got to find that drive and kick guy. I've said that this entire season right now, Carolina does not have that guy. But somebody has to emerge. Is it Tyler Nickel? I think that's probably the guy you're looking at and thinking has the best chance right now. But to me, I also think that Puff Johnson coming out of high school, we heard that he was a really good shooter. Not to the level that his brother was, but still a good enough shooter. I think you've got to – he's got to have the confidence. And to a certain extent, Leaky Black has to have the confidence to shoot the basketball because if they do – and then you can just get your guards hot when you need them to be in February into March. I think Carolina has a chance to still be a good shooting team when they when it matters the most. Well, you you it it wouldn't be an edition of the show without me freaking out, panicking about one thing or the other, and you coming behind and impeaching preaching patience and saying that you're you're still confident which i think is the best way to wrap up the edition of the show and before we let you go guys we do encourage you to visit our website heeltoughblog.com where the last week and a half or so for carolina athletics have been absolutely chaotic with tar heels playing football games basketball games but then a lot of just off the field news with a lot of guys entering the portal for tar heel football 
Uh, the Carolina lost offensive coordinator Phil Longo, offensive line coach Jack McNeil Jr. is gone. Anthony's got you covered with all that news uh, for basketball. Carolina now, after a six-day leap, they're now going to be back playing virtually twice, you know, twice a week, every three to four days or so. And I'll continue to keep you covered on the basketball side of things. So make sure you visit our website, HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast, and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to not only rate and review the podcast. We we do thank you for those, but we want you to hit that subscribe button. Uh, that way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the season. Uh, we're previewing and recapping virtually every game individually. I'm working in great interviews with guys like Isaac Shada, Michael Norwood, who joined the show just last week. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that, guys, I want to uh, – this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always – Go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.